This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. In this edition today, our bulletin of church news to be followed by Panorama and then our feature of culture and society. Today we shall close with a segment dedicated to young people. My name is Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. The appointments of Pope Francis on Thursday included an audience with the Prefect of the Dicastery for the Laity, Family and Life, Cardinal Kevin Joseph Farrell. He also received an audience at the Vatican, the Superior General of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, Reverend Father Andrei Komorgrovsky. This encounter was followed by one with the Patriarch of Lisbon, Monsignor Rui Manuel Souza Valerio and his entourage. The last appointment of the Holy Father on Thursday was with the bishops from the Italian central region of Emilia-Romagna, who are currently on their five-yearly ad limina visit to the Vatican. On Wednesday, following the weekly general audience, Pope Francis, who has been suffering from mild flu symptoms in the past days, visited Rome's island Fatte Benefratelli Hospital on the Tiber River for some diagnostic tests. A statement released by the Holy See Press Office on Wednesday confirmed the fact that the Holy Father underwent some diagnostic tests at the hospital, located just a stone's throw away from the Vatican. Soon after the test, the Pope was driven back to the Vatican. Some scheduled papal audiences were cancelled in the past days as a precautionary measure due to flu symptoms that the Pope was experiencing. On Wednesday morning, at the beginning of the Wednesday general audience, the Holy Father explained to those present in the Pope the Sixth Hall that he still had a cold and that he asked one of his collaborators, Monsignor Filippo Ciampanelli, to read the catechesis for him. The Holy See Press Office, meanwhile, has confirmed the fact that the Pope will receive German Chancellor Olaf Scholz in audience on Saturday, 2nd March, as planned. Pope Francis has decried the use of landmines which continue to target civilians and children. Speaking at the Wednesday general audience, the Pope reminded the faithful that Friday, March 1st, will mark the 25th anniversary of the entry into force of the Convention on the Prohibition of and Personnel Mines, which continue to target civilians, innocent people, particularly children, many years after the end of hostilities. He also had words of gratitude for all those who work to demine contaminated land and assist landmine victims, noting that their work is a concrete response to the universal call to be peacemakers. The Halo Trust is a humanitarian mine clearance organization. It helps with the clearance of landmines and other unexploded ordnance in order to support populations that have been left behind at the end of a conflict. Colum Peebles is head of region for Central Asia for the Halo Trust, which now operates in over 30 countries. Speaking to Vatican Radio, Peebles laments the fact that landmines are unfortunately a scourge on all the countries where they exist. For Halo, we are really focused on 
the people in those countries where conflict has existed, those people, those families and, and, and children that are trying to build a life and a livelihood after conflict has ended. Landmines are a scourge on all those, those countries where they exist. And what we're trying to do is clear places like clinics and schools where ground has been fought over and where explosive items litter the ground and end up causing injury and death to men, women and children, more often than not. So just one landmine will have an effect on the livelihood of an entire family. And the places where we work, uh, Francesca, are those, are those places where food insecurity is so, so bad that families are, are either living in food, food poverty or they are taking the risk of using land where they know there is a threat. Colm Peebles, head of region for Central Asia for the Halo Trust humanitarian landmine clearing company. King Swati III's February 9th speech was not only well written and enticing to listen, but also touched on national issues, a sign that the monarch is alive to the impediments in the country. The Catholic parliamentary liaison office in the kingdom of Eswatini has said in his speech, the king of the kingdom previously called Swaziland touched on a number of issues, including education, the plight of the people living with disability, unemployment and gender-based violence, among others. In a February 28th statement, the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office says the speech was a good indication that His Majesty King Swati III is alive to the country's challenges. The Catholic entity went on to say that it strongly supports the proclaimed zero tolerance for corruption and gender-based violence. No person should suffer from any form of violence, it says, adding that the church's catechism is against violence. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. panorama reports from west africa say five members of the economic community of west african states ECOWAS, that is ivory coast ghana togo benin and nigeria are in the final stages of launching the construction of a transnational highway that will connect their commercial capitals as well as ports and airports the project was first proposed in 2013, and its main objectives are easing road transport, creating jobs, and integrating the economies of the five countries. The construction is scheduled to begin early 2025 with the sponsorship of the African Development Bank. Reports from Senegal say 24 people drowned on Wednesday in the St. Louis estuary where the Senegal River meets the Atlantic Ocean. The area is characterized by strong winds and thick mud. The boat in which the victims were traveling was old and overloaded. It sank due to strong winds. According to survivors, the boat was traveling to North Africa from where its passengers would attempt to cross to Western Europe. A Christian higher institution of learning in Kenya, Daystar University, is under fire after the Speaker of the country's parliament directed the Minister for Education to investigate allegations that it is forcing Muslim students to attend Christian religious prayers. 
The accusation was made by a member of parliament, Mohamed Ali, who said the university's policy violates the constitutional right to religious freedom. This is Culture and Society, and you are welcome to the program. My name is Kanyan Tagodufri Kampamba. The tertiary sisters of St. Francis are a community of 481 women in Africa, Europe, and South America. They are dedicated to delivering hope, comfort, and good news where it is needed most. The sisters themselves come from many backgrounds and professions and from quite a good number of countries. Some of the sisters serve in their home countries, while others are in far-flung places. The way of life of the tertiary sisters demand that they strive to put into practice the principles of their founder, Maria Weber, which are equality, aid to the downtrodden, and service to God. The congregation of the tertiary sisters is organized into four provinces. Two of these are in Europe, one in Africa, and one in South America, all of them governed in a way by the headquarters or the generate in Rome. Over the years, the African province, which is headquartered in Cameroon, has expanded exponentially to the point of necessitating to have it subdivided into three other independent provinces. The process to divide the province in Cameroon has been a journey that has taken years. In May, the three new provinces shall be finally inaugurated. In this edition today, I speak to a special person who many years ago was invited by the tertiary sisters to accompany them and share her expertise as they descend the developments in the Cameroon province. I would like you to begin by just introducing yourself briefly. Okay, I am Sister Rosemary Ara, a handmaid of the Holy Child Jesus, working in uh, as the principal of Anchila Kali Comprehensive College in Bali, in Bamenda Ash Diocese in Cameroon. Now, you are with this group. It is a different group from My congregation. Your, your congregation. Yeah. How are you involved with them? I was invited in 2022 with uh, another sister of uh, uh, the Daughters of Charity, Sister Olivia Omar, to facilitate the restructuring program for the tertiary sisters of St. Francis for the Cameroon province. Now, who are the tertiary sisters? I know this is not your congregation, but you are involved with them. Who are they? The tertiary sisters are part of the Third Order of St. Francis. They have been in Cameroon for more than 50 years, and their congregation covers just more than Cameroon, the Cameroon province. They are in six countries I see. in Africa. What is their charism? Their charism is uh, basically working for the poor and the vulnerable in the society. And in Cameroon, they are involved in pastoral work, health care, social work, education and uh, secretarial work they work in the non-secure uh, mm. and in some of the bishops houses in Cameroon mm. and in the secretariat there is a lot of noise in Cameroon at the moment there is insecurity yes. how would you talk about your existence as sisters and how this reality impacts on your work it impacts on our work so negatively and we face each day it's a matter of a daily Basis. Mm, I'm from the English part of Cameroon, actually from yeah, Mount Diocese. Mm, yes. That is why there is too much violence. Yes, there's too yeah. much violence. Could you talk about that? Yes. And actually, especially how that situation affects what you do. It affects education. 
principally because... Actually, you are in education. Yes. For seven years now, there are some children who have not been able to go to school because where they live, there is no school and their parents cannot afford to take them to where there is school. Two years ago, I was the principal of uh, Queen of the Rosary College, an all-girls school, the first in Cameroon, and my girls were attacked at night. They burnt the dormitory, but we didn't lose any life. And where I am now, Anchila Kali Comprehensive College, we shut it down for, for about four years because the activities there were very deadly. And the, nearly half of the village was burnt down by the forces. So it is, it's on a daily basis. Anybody working in the Anglophone part of Cameroon has faced one thing or the other. In education, in the healthcare, it's even worse. Sometimes they come to the hospital to search and search for the boys who maybe they have been shot. So it is basically a very uh, life-threatening situation. But, but we, who is doing this? Is this the, those fighting for the liberation of uh, both, that area? Both. both. Mm. both. It's not, uh, both. It's uh, both. Sometimes yeah. we have found ourselves in a situation where the military invaded the school looking for the boys. And the next day the boys came and uh, they started shooting in school. So every time you're faced with one thing or the other. What do they do with the boys? They want them to join them? The boys want, they are the ones fighting to get independence for English. Ah, Cameroon. that is referred to the fighters. The fighters. Against the government forces. Yes, yes. They call them the Amber Boys. The Amber Boys. Yes. Mm. Are there times when these people would crash? Yes. In your area? In several places. Mm. Like where I am now, there was a serious clash, and that led to loss of human life and burning of houses. So everybody had to flee. Our sisters even ran away too from the place mm. for about three years. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you hope to move forward in spite of the situation there? How, how do you give hope to the people there? Our presence gives hope because when we left the place, there was no school. And the people actually went to the compound. It was all bushy and they cleared the compound, made videos and sent to the sisters that they want us back. So in 2021, we went back to the place in Wosting in Bali. And we have a population of about 84 primary school children. And for most of them there, if we are not there, then they cannot go to school. And most of them are really uh, going through a lot of trauma and uh, education gap because some of them have not been to school for about three or four years. So it's really a very challenging situation that we, it's just the grace of God. We don't even know how we are. Because you can leave your house in the morning. You can sleep out of your house because there is no way for you to go back. There is confrontation on the road, and you don't want to um, risk that. You spoke of uh, um, the the restriction that has been announced that there there should be no movement. Yes. Who declares that? Is it the government? Or? You just get a, a an audio message, and any car that tries to pass that road, sometimes it is burnt down. Or the the driver is carried to the bush for ransom. So because of what has happened to other people, people are afraid to to venture out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Uh, I would like to come back to the group that you are involved with. You, yeah. you operate in the same area. Yes, mm. we are all in the same area. Now, please get to talk about your involvement with this group. So, um, since um, September 2022, we have been working with the, uh, the Cameroon province to restructure... Of the tertiary sisters. Of tertiary sisters of St. Francis. You as senior sisters. As it's a not, congregation, not as a congregation. No, it, it has nothing to do with the <laughs> congregation. They senior us because they their congregation has existed for a longer time than ours. We were founded in 1931, and they have been there before us. Mm. Yes, but they picked on you. Well, I was recommended. I don't know who recommended my name to be a facilitator. Now, facilitator in this case means what? It means that you work with the sisters to come to a consensus of what they want because the chapter mandated that they should restructure. So they had to talk with the sisters on actually what does it mean and they requested for that. And so um, it had been a process of working with zones, communities, and for them to say what they really are comfortable with then last year we had an in-person meeting and they agreed so it's a process that has been going on yes so they agreed to restructure to two or three and give that mandate to the general council so eventually the general council decided to restructure it to three provinces because it stretched to chad to um, central africa republic to egypt nigeria yeah, so that it, the the area is vast for five people from what they um, they requested. Five people meaning who? five councillors. Oh, five five councillors. Yes. Uh, so they they were restructuring for more effective uh, work with the sisters. So because of the vast areas, they are not able to visit their sisters often mm. and work with them. So with this restructuring, they have restructured to three provinces. In terms of numbers, how many are they? In terms of numbers, they are more than 300. Okay, that's a good number. Yeah, but in terms of uh, um, of area, it is vast. Quite, quite for, vast. Yeah. Yes. So sometimes it takes about a year or two for a provincial to go around, and so they are not able to provide that support that they need. So you as a facilitator... What role have you played? Well, I the role I played is to work with the sisters and give them the direction on what they want to go because they tell us uh, they want to restructure. We ask them what that means. So the main thing is to bring out what is in their mind that they are not saying. Hmm. So it's to help them make... What are some of those things that you brought up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody can say... I want to restructure or, okay, we want more effectiveness. What does that mean? Does okay. it mean that uh, you need more work, you need more people, you need more funding? They need more, uh, their leaders to be able to be accessible to them as often as possible. Mm. So with their past experience, it is not possible with the present um, structure they had. So with conversation between the general council and the provincial council they came up with that are you happy with what you've done i'm happy 
I'm happy because majority of the sisters are happy. Okay. Yes. Mm. Mm. So what would be your word to them now? It's for them to be encouraged to be more effective in their work as sisters in this war zone. And we need each other to be able to work for the people who are, they are living daily in traumatic experiences. Sister Rosemary Ara of the Handmaids of the Holy Child Jesus, who for a number of years has facilitated the restructuring of the Cameroon province of the Tertiary Sisters of St. Francis, talking to me there. And that is all we have time for in this edition of Culture and Society. Until next week, at the same time, my name is Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. And now, news for young people. Hello and welcome to the program. I am Festus Tarawali. The members of the Catholic Women Organization of Nigeria, known by the acronym C1, have called for better training of the boy child. As you will hear in the following report by Delphine Asu, they made the call during their first quarter meeting for 2024, during which the Catholic mothers held discussions on their project regarding a college that provides education for needy boys. Representatives of the various provinces converged at Divine Love Retreat and Conference Center, Drak, Lugbe Abuja, for the first quarter meeting of the Catholic Women Organization of Nigeria, C1, for discussions on activities of the organization, especially their pet projects, the Cor Maria Boys College, Abuja. The National C1 President, Mary Asibi Gonsum, spoke on the motivation behind the project. We have observed that more attention is given to our daughters and relegating the boy child to the back, which is really exposing them to all the menace in the society. And that is why we came up with this project, to see that we draw our boys closer to us as well, because we are mothers to both male and female, and it will not be good to see our children going astray. Because if you look at all facets of life, all the menace we are going through in this life, is it banditry? Majority of the corporates there are boys and men. Is it armed robbery? Just check it out. Is it drug abuse? They are still the ones, and we have seen that perhaps we are not doing enough, and we need to pick up the challenges and see how we can, can provide solutions, and then also we can help our children, the boy child. She then explained the method of choosing indigent boys for the C1 scholarship. We select them across board. We have nine provinces, so we picked one each so that the burden will not be much on us. Because from all our calculations, we have checked that to train a child for a year, we spend by educational session now one year, it takes uh, about 1.4 million per child. So in order not to make it so weighty on us, we take one per province and after two years. So at the moment, we have 11 students in the school. And for this year, they are due to pick up another set again. So the nine provinces will still give us nine more students. And then we, on our own again, we go to some of these uh, camps where these indigenous children are there. And then we pick up one from there, from every camp. We pick like, uh, these ones are in GS3 now. We have, we picked uh, one from Sokoto camp, the other from Kafanchan camp, what are the other from Makudi, and then one other from uh, Yola. But the main ones that the province brings, 
they do a whole lot of screening and make sure they come out with the poorest of the poor and then the most intelligent so that he can compete well with the students here in the city. We want to say all thanksgiving be unto the Lord Almighty for giving us, the mothers of the church, the Catholic Women Organization Nigeria, the strength, the enablement, and the foresight to do this, bringing them together from all faces of life to come up with this project to train up a boy child to be a good young man who can withstand every circumstances and who can compete favorably with all other men out there. They are doing well. And we thank God for the indigent students too who are really happy that they have a hope of a better tomorrow. They are doing well. The principal of the school, Reverend Father Chidebere Ume, analyzed the significance of the project in our society. The CWO of Nigeria establishing a school for boys may on the surface level seem like why not girls school but uh, this is a very practical concrete way of um, making the society a better place and, um, and by doing that they are trying to improve the lives of men beginning at a very tender age to give boys good education but more than just education you can get education anywhere beyond the good education that character so at Coma we are what we do the vision is to bring up men nurture men um, who will grow up to be responsible men men who have character men who are committed to good family life and the life of the church and of the of the nation establishing a school for boys is one way of looking to the future and trying to, you know, improve it. Some of the C1 members had words of encouragement towards the continuation of the project. When they talk about Comaria project, some will be like, ah, for how long? I want to urge my women that we should not be tired, we should continue the good work of Christ. We crowned us. And in this first quarter, we are preparing for Mother's Day, for Wuko Week. We also want to do a harvest and Thanksgiving. And we also want to use this opportunity to raise some funds to continue with our pet project, which is called Maria Boys College, to build a multi-purpose hall. We have done that hall to the decking level. want to raise more money to be able to raise it. In Abuja, Nigeria, Delphine Asu reporting. And that's all for this edition of News for Young People. Till the same time next week, I am Festus Tarawali. This is the Africa Service of Vatican Radio and I am Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetu Jesus Christus. Oh,